From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we'll be hanging with former Memphian and acclaimed singer-songwriter Todd Schneider. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. It's always a great time for a homecoming, and this week we're welcoming Todd Snyder, who cut his teeth as a young musician in Memphis, back to the city once again. That's right. It'd be no big surprise if several cities stake their claim on influencing Snyder, both in the studio and on stage. But the journeyman performer spent several years refining his art in the Bluff City as a pupil of the great Keith Sykes. Snyder's new album, Cash Cabin Sessions Volume 3, is a collection of musings dedicated to Snyder's current home of Nashville. But we wouldn't hold that against him now, would we? Oh, there'd be no reason to. As the title of the album suggests, Snyder's songs were recorded during a sojourn in Johnny Cash's cabin in Hendersonville. That's right outside of Nashville. So it'd be only fitting to acknowledge that the push and pull between the two cities is a motif that appears in both Cash and Snyder's biographies. When we caught up with Snyder and his tour bus, he was able to get candid about how both music scenes function and the impact that both have had on his growth as a person and as a musician. Less of a melodic affair than some of his previous works, Snyder's latest full-length offering is an exercise in verbose streams of consciousness. In nearly each song, he mutters lengthy, talkative takes on the world around him, often in an incredibly tongue-in-cheek manner. Throughout the album, Snyder breaks the fourth wall, singing songs about what it's like to write a song, and directing lyrics to the audience about the structure of the song in which he's singing. It's truly a testament to a long story career that Snyder has been able to pull off these sort of devices in his music while still being able to deliver to his deeply devoted audience. Deeply devoted is totally right. There was a line outside the theater at the Crosstown Concourse of folks waiting to get into this sold-out evening event. And it's a wonder that any merch was sold. I mean, tons of people were already wearing Todd Snyder shirts. I'm sure some of those T-shirts were more than 20 years old. <laughs> the man still got a lot of love in Memphis, and he still got a lot of love for Memphis. And you can hear that love all up in the room through his performance. So let's listen in. Here's Todd Snyder live on Bill Street Caravan. Try to look like he had a little bit of money. He grifted with a southern draw. Well, I could tell right away by the way he was running that that boy was just begging to crawl. At least the junkie know what he needs. You get a man all strung out on his own greed, and he will give up everything he's got for just one shot. It happened it all. Taking every last cent of the sea on a trip down the local track. Had a tip from a friend, put it all down to win on a horse named Heart Attack. Ain't 
turned around and blew the rest trying to win it back it wanted easy money
clouds rolling over my head I'm walking up a hill to get my fortune read I can still take rejection but it's getting harder to do God, so I can tell if some of you caught that before I did. Hang on a second. <laughs> I can still take rejection. <laughs> I did, that was, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start over. I gotta start over. <laughs> Take rejection, but it's getting harder to do. Oh, pity now. Wish I could show you how you hurt me. Way that wouldn't hurt you, too. Tennis shoes hanging from your telephone wire. I got a little money, I could get a little higher. I was alright for a while, but how it goes They say everything in moderation including moderation I suppose I never did like the people where I was employed They were always out to get me cause I'm paranoid Now I'm working for myself and that don't pay a lousy dime if what we are here to do is learn to forgive each other, I'm gonna need extra time. Too soon to tell. Too soon to tell. Too soon to tell. By and by. Thought it's too soon to tell what's going to happen to you when you die It's too soon to tell what we will ever avenge They say that living well is the best revenge I say book The best revenge is revenge This is an overall we gonna meet again I said, good Lord, if you're still up there, you have sure got some nerve. It seems like even the wicked, we get worse than we deserve. We're afraid to die. Every man, not one of us. I swear to God, it's like you're making fun of us. Not worth keeping or too good to keep it. You got a better secret, better keep it from me. And if you're so God Almighty, well, then what's with all this mystery? I would love to trust you, buddy, but you're clearly keeping secrets from me. Too soon to tell. 
Said closed. I think it might have been a sign. <laughs> I said, Don't give up on me, baby. I think I could be losing my mind. I have just met too many people. I love them all too much. They're scattered all over this whole country. I could never possibly stay in touch with all of them. I'm traveling, man. Almost forever, it seems. I woke up one morning with a lot more memories than dreams. Look, great clouds rolling over my head. I'm walking down the hill without my fortune red. I can still take rejection, but it's getting hard to do. I wish I could show you how you hurt me in a way that wouldn't hurt you too. I wish I could show you how you hurt me Really wouldn't hurt you too Here's more from Todd Snyder Live on Bill Street Caravan Seemed appealing 
So I suppose it must work for some I wanna go back to going crazy <laughs> Believing every word that I was told You know, sometimes growing up I feel like I might be getting wiser And then other times I feel like I'm just getting old When I was a child I spoke as a child All I heard was how I skidded And now growing up It isn't anything but all these indecisions With these debts and doubts and worries They're hanging over my head When I was a child I spoke as a child I wish I could remember Lord, I wish I could remember I wish I could remember What I said was Todd Snyder, live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info on Snyder, visit toddsnyder.net. We'll be back with more music from Todd in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. Johnny Ace and Big Mama waved, smiled, bowed, and headed off stage as the cheers died down. It was Christmas night, the late show, and they had one more set. Johnny opened the dressing room door and saw empty bottles scattered across the floor. Johnny's girlfriend and Big Mama's girlfriend were already there, smoking and joking, with a DJ from KCOH known as The Bellman. Johnny sat on a dressing table and threw his arm around his girl. Johnny took the vodka bottle out of the bellman's hand and swigged. Big Mama practically snatched it right out of his mouth. Johnny pulled a pistol out of his pocket faster than Big Mama, put the bottle to her lips, pointed the gun at her, pulled the trigger. Everyone shrieked. Snap. Johnny laughed. (laughs) Big Mama grabbed the gun out of his hand. Don't you point that thing at anybody else, she told him. Big Mama popped open the revolver's chamber, spun it like a roulette wheel, and put the gun back in Johnny's hand. He snapped the chamber shut. It don't shoot, see, he said, and pointed it at his girl's head. Snap! Everyone was cussing and yelling. Johnny cackled. I ain't gonna hurt anybody, he said. He looked down the barrel, pressed it to his temple, and pulled the trigger. Bang. Big Mama looked at Johnny and saw his eyes roll. He drooped, keeled sideways, and crashed to the floor. Everyone still thought he was kidding. He just lay there smirking with a penny hole in the side of his head. Then the red blood spilled out of the other side like ink. They screamed and ran. The bellman called his radio station to break the news. 
Somebody had to tell Mr. Roby that his biggest star was dead. Don Roby stayed home for Christmas night and left his business partner, Evelyn Johnson, to handle the money at Johnny and Big Mama's show. The duty of informing Roby of the tragedy fell to Evelyn. Big Mama came along for moral support. In the car, Evelyn clicked on KCOH. The tribute had already begun. So darling, I sing my song. Don Roby opened the door. He had on red slippers and a green robe. He held a crystal tumbler full of golden liquid. Evelyn wore black patent leather heels, a tartan skirt, and white cashmere sweater. Behind her stood Big Mama Thornton. They heard KCOH crackling behind him. They stared at him. Big Mama shook her head. He could smell Big Mama's cigar smoke, swisher sweet. He looked up and said, How could I have killed him? I wasn't even there. It's no accident that everyone, including his own business partner, suspected Don of having a hand in Johnny's death. He spent years deliberately building the reputation that fit right in with such a scheme. Every storyteller has a medium, from radio, TV, movies, and magazines right down to the front porch. Don Roby worked the grapevine. He knew that a power gesture travels word of mouth through a small community like the music business. Roby liked to bundle all the cash he'd make from a show at his nightclub, stuff it in a money bag, and walk it into the bank with his gun in his hand to make the deposit. When a rumor made the Houston nightlife circles about a con man getting the best of Roby in a deal, Don found the man on the street and punched him out where everyone could see. His myth reached epic heights back when he won the contract of Johnny Ace. The conquest began when Roby got a call at the Peacock Records office from a disc jockey in Memphis. The jock said, I don't know much more about records than how to play them. Roby listened. But I cut a song on this kid that's a guaranteed hit. The DJ went on. I met your sales guy here at the station. He said, you know how to get the thing in stores. Get it some airplay. Collect from distributors. Roby's silence unnerved the DJ. He kept talking. I just think it'd be a heck of a thing for a white DJ and a black mogul such as yourself to go in together down there. At last, Roby spoke. I'm a black man and a white man. I can whip your tail or outsmart you. <laughs> okay, uh, I started a little record company called Duke Records. Roby said, send the master back with my salesman, and the partnership begins. Roby hung up. The white DJ barely knew what was going on, but shipped Johnny Ace's record to Houston, half on good faith and the rest out of fear. The DJ heard nothing more from Roby for two weeks. He found a fresh issue of Billboard in the lobby at work. He opened it up and flipped to a full-page ad. Don Roby proudly introduces Duke Records. The hot new R&B company debuts with the smash hit My Song by Johnny Ace. As the next issues of Billboard would attest, the ad was more like a prophecy. My song reached number one on the R&B charts and stayed there for two and a half months. But the DJ heard nothing from Roby. Worse yet, he received nothing from Roby, not a nickel. The DJ built up the courage to go see his silent partner in person. He walked right into the Peacock Records headquarters and into Don Roby's office. 
I'm here to work, he told Roby. I quit my job and I want to do my part for the company. Roby gave a moment's eye contact. He slid open a desk drawer. He removed a silver 45 caliber handgun. The DJ saw diamonds glinting in the grip. Roby set it down on the desk in front of himself. He slid open another drawer and he pulled out a little bundle of cash and tossed it on the desk in front of the DJ. And another. In all, Roby tossed out ten little bundles without saying a word. He rocked back in his chair and looked the DJ in the eye and said, You got bought out. The story got around through the small fraternity of rhythm and blues record companies, performance distributors, and radio people. Stingy distributors began to pay Roby back from records he'd shipped them years before. Don deeply appreciated the ripple effect of one powerful gesture. After Christmas night 1954, virtually everyone in the business simply said, Johnny got bought out. Roby did nothing to clear the air. Johnny's funeral was the biggest story in the news. B.B. King and Bobby Bluebland served as pallbearers. Mourners lined up for blocks and filed past Johnny's station wagon parked outside the church. Roby bumped into Big Mama Thornton standing over Johnny's open casket. You sure know how to throw a funeral, she said. She tucked a bullet into the pocket on Johnny's suit and walked away. After Johnny sank beneath the soil, Don went for a golf date with the radio station general manager. Tough break with Johnny, radio man said. Hey, that night nearly killed me, too, Don replied as he lined up a putt. The radio man felt a drop of sympathy. Curious, he tilted his head to ask how. Don said, I had to give 3,000 refunds when Johnny couldn't go back on. He smirked and sank his shot. Kid picked a terrible night to die, Don said. Johnny dropped right when his new single dropped. Forever, my darling, my love will be true. Roby rocked back in his desk chair. Evelyn Johnson sat across from him. He held up the new issue of Billboard and read to her. The recent death of Ace gave added impetus to what would probably have been heavy first week sales in any case. Pledging my love is spiraling upward at dazzling speed. Roby looked at her before completing the sentence. Almost as popular with pop customers as with R&B. He set down the magazine. Pop, Evelyn, he repeated. White people are buying this record. He reclined back in his chair. Our number one R&B hits ship maybe 50,000 a year. A pop hit ships a million. He pushed a piece of paper across the desk. Evelyn saw William Morris Agency letterhead. Don said, this deal splits ownership of pledging my love with the biggest entertainment company in pop music. He looked Evelyn in the eye. They're going to pitch it to everyone on their roster. Sinatra, Satchmo, think of it. I get half of every penny that song makes over on the pop side. Roby felt a hand on his shoulder. He smelled Swisher Sweet Smoke. He turned his head to look, but was stopped by the cold barrel of a gun to his temple. Big Mama took the pen out of Don's hand. She signed her name to the contract and slid the paper across the desk to Evelyn. Evelyn looked at Don and signed her name. Don Roby added his signature as Evelyn told him, You got bought out. Forever, my darling. 
our love will be true always and forever i love just you Bill Street Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Travel, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you who are just tuning in, we've got singer-songwriter Todd Snyder on the show today. Snyder, as we mentioned, is an expatriate of the Bluff City who has gone on to have a fruitful career in the realms of folk, rock, and country. For such a seemingly easygoing guy, Snyder's music deals with some pretty heavy subject matter. Yeah, Todd is a passionate observer of the world, though he's said often that he doesn't want his songs to feel too preachy in their approach. Rather, I suppose, he hopes that his songs inspire listeners to investigate the topics he finds seminal and form their own conclusions. Exactly, but that doesn't mean that he's afraid to lay his feelings out for his fans when he sees it as appropriate. Todd closes his latest album with a very poignant song. It's called A Timeless Response to Current Events. Yep, that's the one where he assumes the role of a street corner preacher and raps about hypocrisy in our culture, right? The one where he says, ain't that some... Uh, Excuse me, hold on, let me paraphrase this one a bit. He says, ain't that some BS? Yes, that's the one. And I appreciate you self-correcting there for our listeners. No problem at all. Now let's check back in on the show. Here's more of Todd Snyder, his thoughts, and his songs, live on Bill Street Caravan. The woman and I we was in Houston and we had played like nine nights in a row and we were, well, our lead singer was whining. It won't work this morning. Well, I just can't punch in. 
She gave away more of it than she ever sold That she'd be smiling all the time I used to sing off in the corner of that place 
Every Friday night There'd be this loud crowd of cowboys Bikers and ballroom fights Drinking beer and they were carrying on Not a one of them had listened to one of my songs But old Miss Virgie, she'd be singing along She said she knew some of them by heart One night after closing They poured me a beer Said, come over here and sit down You, I got something you need to hear She said, life isn't easy getting through Everybody gonna try to make it tough on you I'll tell you right now, though, if you dig what you do Nobody's ever gonna get you down She said, life too short to worry Life too long to wait Too short not to love everybody Life too long to hate I meet a lot of men that haggle and finagle all the time Trying to save a nigga, maybe make it down Not me, no siree, say I ain't got no time I'll pick it down around right. apologize to anybody that was disappointed I had shoes on. <laughs> I went in and saw my doctor about a year ago. He said he thought that maybe some of the reason I had been in such poor health all these years is because I was always walking around with no shoes on. <laughs> and drugs too. He said, that, he said that drugs, too, were part of it. <laughs> I figured I'd at least meet him halfway, right? <laughs> I ain't seen no virgin. It's probably been 30-some years. I've been bumming around this country. I sing my songs for tips and beers, mostly beers. Now the night's alone. The driving's tough, hotels are weird and the pay sucks I can't dig what I do enough It never ever gets me down, I'm always singing A life is too short to worry, man A too long way A too short now to love everybody Life too long to hate You to let me meet a lot of men haggle Finagle all the time Trying to save a nigga, maybe make it down And not me, no sweet Lord, I ain't got no time You wanna try singing one, we'll see how we do Life too short to worry Life too long to wait Too short not to love everybody Life too long to hate I meet a lot of men that haggle and finagle all the time Trying to save a nuke, maybe make it down Oh, not me, but no surreal that I ain't got no time I said, not me no siree, baby, doll ain't got no time. Oh. Here uh, on the Bill Street Caravan with Todd Snyder, can you tell me your impressions, your feelings about being back here in Memphis, Tennessee? Yeah, I've all, I always look forward to coming here. My father's buried here. And my first bandmates are here. They just got off the bus and got to reunite with them. Um, but also this town, like Keith Sykes, uh, 
nurtured me and, and, and taught me how to do this here and got me a record contract. And I always felt like this was the city that made me feel most like I could sing. I never really sang it at home in Oregon. I started here, so I always look forward to coming back. And I just have a lot of friends, Zeke Logan, the Dickinson brothers, Amy LeVere. This music scene is one of my favorite ones, you know. It's everybody, everybody loves the Memphis music scene. How did you even end up in this area from, from Oregon? I was in Texas, and I was trying to be a folk singer. And Keith Sykes, who lives here, I kept noticing that, like, Jerry Jeff Walker and John Prine and all these people would record his songs. And um, my dad was in a bar here working, and he found out where he lived. So I just went to his house and gave him my tape, and he started helping me after that. I mean, what did that feel like? I mean, what, what, what age was this for you? And, and to have to be under uh, the wing of a writer who uh, had been well accomplished at that point. Yeah, I was only 21, and I had so much hope and, and loved music so much. And when he told me that he felt like I could do it, it was exactly what I needed. It made me work really hard at it every day and made up tons of songs. I'll never, I, I don't think I could ever repay him. For, and his wife, Jereen, too, they both... Uh, made me feel like I could do it, and I, I still hang on to that. I mean, at that point in time, Memphis was in, in an interesting place musically. I mean, uh, you kind of cut through at a time where there weren't a lot of different things going on. I mean, how'd that feel to sort of carve your own path at a time like that in the city? Yeah, there wasn't a thing happening at the time. The, the Stax thing was over, the Sun thing was over. Chip's Moment was going to start a new thing. Um, that didn't really take off. So there wasn't a lot of studio stuff going on. But now I feel like, um, you know, Lucero, maybe that's the main traveling band from here. But, uh, you know, even still, I guess the studio hasn't really popped out. I could see that happening again, you know. What about, like, the, what was it, the 3-6 Mafia? Dude? Aren't they doing a show soon? Yeah, they'll be, they'll be back home, or they'll be in South Haven at Landa Center. They'll be uh, sort of doing their, their reunion show. They haven't and performed that, together. And that was a big, that was a Stax-esque level thing that happened. They won all those Grammys and stuff. I think some people might be surprised to know that you have an appreciation for the for the hypnotized camp posse. Oh, hell yeah, yeah, I do. Through experience and through uh, just proximity to these same streets and, and valleys and pathways that so many legendary musicians and songwriters have, have walked. Do you keep some Memphis with you everywhere you go? For sure. I feel like when I first came here, I was really a lyric-driven person, and I thought, of songs is more in the sense of lyrics. And then Keith turned me on to Booker T and the MGs, which changed my life and still my favorite band. And through them, I felt like I really learned about groove, which is probably the most important part of a song is what's the beat to it. And then melody too. So I came from Texas where they're into words, not like they're not into words here because some of the best lyrics ever came from here. But boy, if, the, if you don't, if you can't, lay down like an Al Jackson type groove in this town. You, you can't make it here. And so in that, I feel like I've always take, tried to keep keep my music something that you could move to or that had a nice pocket in it. What are some of the things that you do when you come into town? Sure, I always go to Huey's in Midtown first. And then there's that record store, Shangri-La. I always go over there. And then there's at the bottom of the Gilmore, there's Fino's, man. Those are the three places I go every time I'm in town. Awesome. Yeah, and then um, I still like to go down to Beale if it's a Saturday afternoon or something. I love, you know, the blues guys will play, like, for free. That's some of the best music in the world, really, you know. And you have 
so much merch. I think it's it's a testament to the many things you've done and the many places that you've been. I mean, from bandanas to CDs, I even saw like a, a wooden model of, of the cabin where this album was inspired. Uh, I mean, how have you grown since leaving Memphis? Um, this thing has been a surprise to me because I was evolved out of being like a busker and it just keeps getting more and more organized and there's a big team around it and and I like them all. I'm really grateful for them. And like you said, we sell all kinds of stuff and you know, I'm 50-something now, so when I was in this town, I think most of the people that knew me would have thought that I probably would have quit by now or maybe at least just not been able to let people organize it like I was a really flighty young person and in my older age I guess I'm a little easier to manage or something you know maybe some most days anyway could you tell me a bit about how the world today influences these songs you're playing now sure. I've always been very liberal minded or, or left lefty and I think the crowd kind of knows it I try to do it with some respect um, for people that aren't but like I draw the line at like racism or sexism or things like that. I don't see those as like opinions that I'm supposed to tolerate or those things are uh, offensive to me. And so I try to, you know, stay on the right side of that with my songs. And I also just try to make it so like I don't necessarily want people to learn anything from the show. But if you are trying to take something away from it, then maybe I would hope that it would that you'd want to be a nicer person. You know, like like they used to say when people first went and saw Rocky, they'd come out of it wanting to fight. And I always thought, like, I hope I could do a concert that would be the opposite of that. Like, you'd go to the concert and leave thinking, I wish I could buy a drink for someone I don't know, you know. And hopefully that's what happens. And that's the most political stuff I think I can contribute. Could you tell me, I mean, a bit about this third installment of, of songs that are sort of in, inspired by yeah. the, the space you are in in life now? Yeah, there's a part of Nashville that I really love, the Johnny Cash part, which is in Heaps From Here, um, or the altruistic sort of artsy-fartsy side. And I, I remember when I lived here, there was a huge rivalry, and I still think it's because in Nashville, there's so many people that get into music for money, which is kind of an oxymoron. It's really hard to get money out of music. It turns you into kind of a shyster or whatever. And people here just do it for the music. And almost across the country, the reward for music is the sound of music. And in Nashville, you people move there because they want music to get a car or something like that. That tends to not work, and people in Memphis have zero tolerance for it. I still appreciate that. I'd like to see that side of... Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that rub off on Nashville more. Awesome. Well, I think one, one last thing. I think the one thing that we have in common is it was an interview with Jimmy Buffett that uh, sort of kick-started my thing, and I think that he, he sort of helped put some energy yeah. into your thing as well, so that's one thing we share in common. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, I, I told him when I when I got to meet him, you know, was, I'll let you borrow the name JB for a while, oh, but <laughs> as, as two uh, Buffett alums, it's good to meet you. Yeah, Absolutely. man, thank yeah. you. I really enjoyed visiting with you, man. Thanks for putting me on. Here's more from Todd Snyder, live on Bill Street Caravan. Oh, that it 
about the friends he meet About the nights that he crossed the line And all the mornings that he played How they threw him out of so many bars He finally built one in his own backyard He ain't been thrown out yet so far It is a tab is always paid Is that all right if I do another one too? my age and I had left myself this note here on another empty page they said where will I go now that I'm gone they said maybe you've been chasing a song too long it's turned into a song about a song you're working on man come on it's gone Let it go But you know giving up a dream That's a lot like making one come true It's easy to sit around talking about it Hard to go out and do But for this one last question I will give up on this song 
Todd Snyder live on Beale Street Caravan. For more information on Todd, head over to toddsnyder.net. Be sure to keep up with Todd and his tour as he'll be visiting more of his former hometowns and maybe even yours as he closes out the year. It's a show that encapsulates the life and the career of an artist who is just as unique to the history of Memphis music now as he was when he first rolled into our town years ago. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.